Hey, I'm Paul Ford. And I'm Rich Ziotti. This is Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio in New York City. Today we're going to talk about what it's like to be a one-year-old. There's a lot there, right? There was a parental thing we're going to talk about. There was dad, and then there's leaving home, and then there's growing up a little bit. It's going to be interesting. Let's have that conversation. So you're sitting on the porch, and you're drinking lemonade, and you're reflecting on the year, yeah. Paul Ford. I mean, it's been a year, Rich. <laughs> what a year. We are a year old, I this mean, company. We can speak in nostalgic tone. Let's talk about some of the things that happened this year. Let's, All right. Let's actually... So, I mean... We started, which was a big deal. We started the company. You, you and almost I, had a moment where you said, I don't know, man. Well, this was a funny <laughs> one, right? Because we started the company... We can I mean, we can start to tell the story a little bit now. So you had a company called Arc90. It got bought by a company called SFX. Entertainment. SFX Entertainment. Yes. Electronic dance music company. And you built Which a great... logical. Yeah. Your team, you were chief product officer. Your team built a great big music platform. Music streaming service, live video streaming service. I mean, to be fair, we had the content. Yeah. We had to build the streaming service. So you had millions of electronic music tracks. Which were for sale before we showed up. Okay. At Beatport, which is one of the most respected, like if you're uh, like a revered if, by DJs. If you're a DJ, you know what Beatport is, and you know that you Hell can yeah. buy uncompressed audio that you can use in your own mixes there. You can do or live the, sets. All or the whatever. licensing, all that stuff. Sort it out. So the magic trick was to get a lot of those music content owners to agree to let the music stream. And that was worked out, not fully. Some said no, but still, we had millions of tracks that could stream. Lots of lawyers involved. Lawyers including and Including you, and, yeah. Well, I wasn't involved on in that end of it, but okay. I, I was in the room listening to some of it. And we were going to ship a music streaming platform, and it would work on the web and mobile. And then there were other pieces to this. There was Beatport News, which was going to give up-to-date news on what's happening in the music scene in the electronic music scene, and then it was just a lot of stuff. So and you and I had met because I was an advisor to Readability, yes. one of the products that Arc90 had built, and then you brought me in as an advisor to SFX. Yes. And I think that it is fair to say that SFX was kooky towns. Kooky town is, I mean, I don't know if the Wall Street Journal would phrase it that way, but it was a, it was a crazy... Crazy. It was way more than Beatport. Let's put it that way. They owned a lot of stuff. Yeah, there was a big roll-up of like company. ticketing companies and live event companies and so on. It and so was forth. a lot. And you it were in the middle lot. of that. And I, you know, you were like, hey, can you come in and just, you seem like a sensible fellow. Maybe help me make some sense of this. Yes. Like, it, it was just, it was a, it was a tornado. It I'd was never a lot seen, happening. I'd never in seen the, in anything like that before. Like, not even on TV. True. And, I mean, it was just complicated. And there was a point you shipped your product. The product shipped. This was a publicly traded company, and there was a lot of you know the typical quarterly pressure to meet numbers and the like, and, right. and there was a lot of pressure around the business. Uh, it was it was just it was it a was lot not of a place that was conducive to the orderly patterns and rituals and structures of shipping software. No, sh- software was a very small part of the business. Yeah, and, and also part, like, there was a grand vision of one day, like when you were, you could buy, like we bought ticketing companies. Yeah. So eventually, you just hit a couple of buttons on the music streaming service app and buy the tickets, things so, like that, and you'd get notifications because you had albums for certain art. Like if you had Zed's album in your favorites, and Zed was coming to your vicinity, you'd get a ping, 
And then like that was the bigger vision. It was a wa- and together. it was it was a real vision. Like I mean, I remember like the yeah. scope of it was audacious. The the tools were there. Yeah. But again, we're not really giving much away to say that the platform shipped, people were using it, but the company had a lot of problems. There were there were broader organizational challenges. Yeah. And, and this isn't the numbers like, were starting to hurt. I mean, after this company went into chapter eleven bankruptcy. But like it's know, not you, yes. It, yeah, it's, like it's, this I'm, is not like I'm not, not sitting talking, here going like talking, talking out of school. Shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Uh but even way before that, it was you know, my purpose in the company, I think, had waned and I had given notice. And you and I had been talking already. Well, this was tricky, months. right? Because you kind of need fundamentally to be building something. You get a little bit lost. Actually, you're good at corporate politics if it's in the service of building and shipping a product. And you are bad at corporate politics for the sake of corporate politics. Yeah, I can't excel purely on the ability to latch on to the right tribe or the right leader and then hop to the next one because that one's power seems to be waning. I don't work well in that. No, and so even though you had the C in your title... Yeah, I have to say I learned a lot from the CEO, Bob Sillerman. I mean, he he is a sort of one of the great wild men of business in the last 20 years. I think that's a way to put it, yeah. but also a, an incredibly calculating strategic thinker and Well, um, it's it's both of those things, right? It's both. Like he's he's occasionally he would just set the chessboard on fire. Occasionally, yeah. and then occasionally he'd look at the pieces very carefully and make a very and I had a lot of interaction with him unusual amount i'd meet him numerous times a week often which was unusual like everybody wanted to talk to this guy i actually had a pretty good relationship with him so when i sat down with him and said look i I think it's i think my purpose here is is kind of past uh it's time to go and then it turned into another conversation about around you know software became you know not the key thing for this company to get on its feet well they'd ship their product they didn't have it there wasn't another product to ship he was thinking about bigger issues than software. Yep. And I said, look, you know, how about I just take back, graft out of the company, the 25 or so designers and engineers you have, and we'll start a con- I'll start my own thing, and you become my client. And then this way, you know, if you need to sunset or, or part ways, it's actually way less painful. You're not, you know, and I get an opportunity to get a head start on, on starting business. So I came back now, to you. And the strategy there too for people. So we had been talking kind of casually about, you know, because you were you were getting aware that your role at SFX was going to wind down. And so you were like, let's go get a shop in Gowanus. You know, in the Gowanus neighborhood of Brooklyn. Like a former auto body. That was my, my idea was that you would have a garage door that could open and I could ride my bike straight to my desk. That was my whole plan. Maybe stay on your bike. Literally. Maybe you don't get off the bike. Just kind of get off right onto the chair and just start typing. And it was going to be maybe four people. Yeah. And that was very attractive. Well, especially after shipping this big product in a big multinational company. Right. So... Just to fast forward through this a little bit, I come back to you. I'm like, Paul, what do you think? 26 people. What a head start. Wasn't that fun? Now, see, you'd run an agency at that size before. I never had. Problem one. Issue one for Paul Ford. Issue two for Paul Ford is this was feeling... I was looking a little too... Here's something that happens in contract negotiations. If the other side's looking a little too chipper... Yeah. The opposing side starts to wonder what they missed. 
Yeah, there's a little of that. Well, so it was looking a little too easy. I was like, why is this guy? What am I missing here? Yeah. So SFX started to throw all kinds. It, it took way, way longer to close this deal. Oh, yeah. No, it was supposed to be like, this will take a week. And also, I'm sitting here looking as the co-founder, but it's kind of your company. Yeah, it yeah, was, that but was it's complicated. Still, it, it was, but I mean, that took care of itself. Well, over we just, time. yeah, no, it did. I kind of knew that. I was like, that was actually where us having spent years building trust. Yeah, you were like, just we're gonna see where this goes. You are, and you were very clear, like you are my co-founder. Like yeah. these are my people. They're gonna be loyal to me on day one. Yeah. But you're going to shape this company. Which with turned me. out to not be entirely true. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. In a that's, yeah. So just we hired, you know. like we hired, unnamed, one of the best, most thoughtful law firms to get this. Yeah, done. they're one like, of the ones where overpaid. it's like, if there's something going to the Supreme Court that's really good, or something involving <laughs> corporations that's really bad, this yeah, is this, this is, is the, the, the law firm. Well, like four hundred bucks an hour. It was just I, I when yeah. the guy called me, I would get sweat. Oh, Let's yeah. just start sweating. I got to say, though, the thing is, is when you pay for a lawyer of that quality, this guy came in. First of all, it was just a great shirt. Like he just had it a was great a, It was incredibly shirt. crisp. Like, and my acid reflux went down. Oh, like yeah. Every, like your physical health improves. This guy, I mean, he had literally been hatched in a lab at Yale. <laughs> yeah. Like it just was like, <laughs> they were like, hey, this it one's for law. He's an alpha. Absolutely no regrets getting that kind of representation <laughs> for what we needed and to do. And the contracts were beautiful. Like contracts are usually horrible. Like you, especially as a former litigator, you, you got yeah. these contracts back and you're like, man, you just got to see what he's done here. Oh, the, just, the quality of the paper oh, had that shimmy to it. Everything yeah. was so good. It was really good. So we went and hired a Lizard King lawyer. Yeah. To, and it was painful. It, it was. was rough. It was a hell of a I wind I think down. people, you know, you wouldn't expect it, but like the deal dropped out like five times. Oh, I walked. Meanwhile, twice. all your equity in the company was like the company was having a really rough patch. Like its stock went from like seven dollars to maybe like 32 cents over and that span of time. in and like a month going. yeah it yeah. was a rough it was, a bad it was an insane insane few months yeah but post light came to life and they were our client they were also our landlord they were also we were a sub subletting absolutely because we just stayed where we were where we said hey you're not gonna you don't need all this space why don't we just pay you rent but the thing to understand here is that the original deal was kind of like well okay we're gonna take the whole team graph them out and then we'll have the whole team work on this project and then postlight will kind of incubate itself inside of this giant project as we bring people on because it was a huge engagement that right? did not happen they, in the terms of the contract negotiation they halved the size of the engagement there was that. So and then, that, but that was I could live with that. No, but that meant we had sixteen people we needed to staff promptly. Yes, that was a bad day. But you know what? This was a lot of good people, and what you wanted to do, like this, is what is highlighted here. Recruiting is really, really, really hard. Finding good talent is really, really hard. Um, well, this is the thing. People from my world were like, what and why is this organization so big and what are you doing? People, yeah, people who, were wondering what the hell but happened. But senior executives were like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. If you can keep a cohesive team of engineers together and working steadily. Uh -huh. You know, this happens in Silicon Valley. Like at bad companies, a cohesive team will stand up and go like, hey, we're, we're available. Do you want us over to another company? Yeah, we've had a few people actually apply as teams, and it's confusing to us because we're like, "Is this an agency? What are they?" But it's just a team saying, yeah. "Hey, we're here. We work together well, and we get our stuff done." Right now, mind you, look, once things settled and the dust settled, there was a fair amount of turnover. A lot of people left. People, and, people. I, I would well, first off, people thought they joined a dance music software company and suddenly we're like hey, <laughs> let's go to Time Inc. and build media websites. <laughs> right, and so next thing you know, how are your in WordPress an skills? 
Yeah. So yeah. that was, you know, that was a little bit of a bait and switch for some people. So they leave, left for that reason. Look, I didn't sign up for this and I need to go. And that's yeah. fine. And that's fine. We had a lot of toasts. We had a lot of toasts. <laughs> a lot of champagne. A lot of farewell toasts. That was yeah. a, this company started with a lot of people leaving. That was yeah. fun. There were other reasons people left, which are more complicated that probably some, aren't worth getting into. Well, there were just, it, I mean, people like to know, like, there were, it, we can be very broad about it. There were dynamics with you. I think, I think there were people who expected a different outcome because you were still in charge. No doubt about it. Because it was a company that was you and me, and it was going to be a different. Your old company, Arc Ninety, had a different kind of culture. Very different. Very different. Well, than I think. I think what people didn't realize is that this wasn't mine. Yeah. Like this was much more of a partnership, not just with you. You surfaced over the months after. Yeah. Like it took you a bit of time because the deal was effectively my deal. It was. And then. Well, and let's also, like, I don't mind the audience knowing, you more money than I do. Like, you were able to put a little money into this to get it kicked off that I could never have done. Yes. Like, paying the rent, you know, just like writing that check, I can't take we that needed out of some, my... We needed some cover. But that couldn't come out going. of my checking. Right, right, right. right. Like, that's, we take that as loans and we pay you back. Yeah. But there's a reality there, right? And this is why, it's funny to me because occasionally people in your world, because they see you as a rapacious capitalist... Kind of because you... I don't know what rapacious means, but I'm assuming it's flattering. It's very flattering. Means but, they, means they dress well? Yes. Know. Very well-dressed okay. capitalist. Okay. Um, it's kind of funny because you're actually the easiest... Like, you don't ask for much. Like, if you give a loan, it's going to be paid back almost with no interest or with very, very low interest. Like, you're not... Yeah. You know... Yeah. I, I agreed. I am not... There is no wickedly defined you could have put me over barrel on this. razor could, sharp spreadsheet anywhere That's you could have been like paul i want you to be co-founder i'm gonna take 70 percent. you're gonna take 20 percent, and we'll give 10 percent to the guy who yeah you know tends to this is fit. actually something that i think people if we state this will discover that even work within Postlight don't know that you we and are i are equal partners are equal partners in this organization that's right there's that's like right. one or two things because we are partners that because this is only... actually worth sharing. This is pretty hilarious. Yeah. We shouldn't give the reveal, but the fancy law, uh, Yale Law partner said, "Well, we got to we got to still answer a couple questions." And we're like, "What's that? We're equal partners. Isn't everything great?" It's like, "Well, sometimes you're gonna have to make a decision, and how do you break the tie? Like, if it's something major that you're deciding about the company, equal partners doesn't help us a whole lot here. We need decision making power." So you guys could stare each other down forever and make no decision. So somebody's got to be able to make that decision. I don't think we should reveal who can make that decision, but that actually was a decision we had to no, make. No, there's a few fundamental things. I mean, things just like basic kind of stuff like, to run the operations. Yeah, like, you know, let's say we needed to shut the company down because there had been a giant financial implosion. Or whatever, yeah. It could be something crazy. And one of us was like, I don't want to do it. And the other one was like, I do want to do it. Somebody's got to be able to make a decision yeah. to run a business. So that... This is turning out to be more revealing than I expected. I think it's... I, but we're a year in. We have, a, we have our legs under us. Yeah. This story doesn't feel... I'm as, also very rapacious, so you're, that's cool. <laughs> you're rapacious capitalist. <laughs> Patious capitalist. Yeah. So, so we get on our feet. You surface. You become a much bigger presence over time at Postlight. I get involved. You get involved. And, and you know, it's funny because I think people around me expected me to be more of like the guy you could come and talk about feelings with. Yeah. I think that I was think, the early expectation. I mean, you have been exposed to the inside of the machine for yeah. the first time in your life, I think. Like truly exposed to it. And I think when you're exposed to it, 
I think you're you're not you, but anyone who is exposed to how these things work. I think their perception shifts. Yeah, because you see what's at stake, and you see the the, the hard calls you have to make, and there is no exactly right call based on your personal beliefs you know or the your hardest belief thing, system or whatever. The hardest thing for me after a year is... So the, the way I describe it is that my beliefs haven't changed, but my assumptions have. Certain things that I believed about the world, about politics, sure. about human equality, or like those are all the same, yep. but they're hard to implement inside of a company. Very hard. Things take time. It yep. takes time to... You know, we, we had a meeting yesterday. We are talking about diversity. Like diversity and inclusion and all that mm-hmm. stuff is probably years before we it really starts to feel like we're there. It's hard. Because the only way to change things is through growth and or also attrition and then you backfill, right? Like but this, the, yeah, what you're describing is I had I had a, a friend I used to I, I did some work for. He was in a turnaround environment. Essentially the company was struggling and you had about 60 employees or whatever and you had some older people in that company people had been there for years and years you know he's sort of sweating over the numbers and looking what he's got to do and he fired like 20 some odd people to sort of start the writing of the ship and some of those people had been there a long time and it was it was rough you it know, was a, friend a very of my, rough a friend scene. of mine who's a senior exec she has a really good formulation here which is that when she refers to having to lay people off she says, I'm going to disrupt families. Like, I have to disrupt X number of families. Because you need to keep that in mind. It's horrible. It's bad, it's right? horrible. So I sat him down. And this guy is spreadsheet capitalist, just computer brain person. Your friend who has to fire 20 people. Fire 20 people. Okay. So I said, I said, like, and we're out drinking wine and talking. And, you know, some rough days we had to sort of witness. I was a consultant, so I actually wasn't in the company. But I saw it all, and he's no. dealing with it. You were handing him the knife. To stab other so, people. Not yeah. into, somewhat, yes, yeah. on, on the tech side. And he said, Rich, it is rough. It's hard. But I came into this thing, and it's literally slipping off the mountain. And if I don't do this, all 60 go home. The whole thing goes into bankruptcy, and everybody gets sent home. And like some blue shirt consultants come in to just... Sell the chairs. Sell the chairs, yeah. right? So it's rough. But if you look at what my mandate is, my mandate is for this to turn around and then I will hire another hundred if this thing is on the upswing. Well, in the back of your head, you're going like, well, couldn't he have figured out how to save those 20 if he's so smart to know how to hire the hundred? But he had $11 in the bank no, and he, he needed a certain level of run, certain amount of runway to get to the point where he can get it on an upswing. That was revealing to me. I've never seen the inside of that. Well, this is what I would say. It's hard because really you want to manage to avoid that situation. Yeah. You want to manage for growth and you want to manage to avoid that situation. And one of the things I've come to realize over the last year, look, we've had a lot of actual luck. Look, we just had like networks where people popped up. We're like, I need you now. And we're smart. Yeah, good for us. But like, there's also <laughs> luck involved. The thing that I'm realizing is that if you want to change the world, you have to create growth. Yeah, Because otherwise, it just is going to be so slow that everyone's going to roll their eyes at you. That's right. That's right. And the way I would would boil it down is that business doesn't have any time or space for your principles. It's just a very basic machine. And we're externally dependent as an agency on people coming to us and saying, can you do the thing I need you to do? That's right. Right? So, and we can say no, or we can say yes. Yes. That's kind of it. If we say yes, we're in there. So- 
you look at the the past year and SFX eventually filed for bankruptcy. Yep. Faded away as a client. We found ourselves in a particular situation. We have absolutely no SFX work now. We have absolutely no SFX work today. That's correct. And if you look at I don't know the analogy. It's like when you're you're hopping on the lilies and they 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 fall into the water as you hop off of them. You're sort of just I don't really know that I, analogy. Just ignore it. Forget it. Essentially, we were able to continuously find the next fuel pod as we progressed, meaning we didn't compile a lot of it. We just found new relationships. Yeah. We did the thing in a very short amount of time. It's actually credit to everyone at Postlight for what we've been able to do in year one. We threw so much random stuff at people. This was crazy town. Yeah. We were we, we believed in what it was, and we knew we needed to land business to make it grow and subsist and thrive. And we were able to do it in a year and actually build this brand in a year. And credit to you, you know, at one point we stared at, you know, what was ahead and you said, we need to get out there and make some noise. And you said, let's do a podcast. And that just wouldn't have come into my head. I just, I thought podcasts were like all about politics and sports. And I didn't really think that that would be, and it turns out that this has been an important part of our marketing strategy. And, and here we are. So it's been a hell of a year one. What's year two look like? Very different from year one. Yeah, I agree. Quite different from year one. A stabilizing year, a year where we start to put, like, we didn't have time to pause and say, let's think about process. Yeah. I mean, we've already, we've always had some money in the bank, but it'll be good to get some money in the bank, like, just to be feel really like, okay, I know how the next couple months could go. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, we, you know, we don't, we don't run it that way. Put some art on the walls. <laughs> Literally, like just like make it a home. Yeah, I mean the the new office. That's the other thing we didn't mention. We moved. Well, we mentioned, we left. Yeah, we've mentioned in a prior podcast. We talked about it. Yeah, true. But that was a big event for us. Yeah. in year one. We had to leaving. We had to move. Leaving. It's like moving out of the parents' house. We, we lost. Us, we us. lost our lease. We actually probably could have hung around, but yeah, we just smelled. Got, we smelled uh, a need to really get out of there and really. It wasn't ever our own. Our signage was weird. It was this, you know, it was always kind of hacked together. It's very frustrating when you can't hang the name of your company up. It meant something, right? Yeah. I mean, you we had it in like it a banner. Right. And so now we're in this great space just north of Union Square. So great first year. I, I mean, I say this a lot because, you know, you have your patches where you don't know what's happening. And you can always say, you know, look, if you look at what was pulled off, that in and of itself, there is no arriving. You don't. No, you're arrive. never done. You're That's never like, the, oh, we've arrived. There's none of that. That's it been just the never lesson happens. of the year, right? The lesson of the yeah. year for me has been, we're never done. You're you ne- never done. I used to do things where there'd be a metric of success. That's like I wrote, just... I, I shipped a thing and it got a ton of attention. I, or I wrote a thing and it got a ton of attention. All this stuff would happen. Yeah. And I would get direct feedback. I'd be like, all right, done. On to the next one. And that is the single best piece of advice is if when we ship something big yeah. or when a client tells you great work or someone comes on that we're excited to have joined the company, take a minute and like actually enjoy that event, that moment. Because there is no grand moment. There is no... No, like, you're, you're going to come in the next day and there'll be 20 other things. And there's another really bunch doing. of other stuff. Yeah. So just like take a second. I That's advice I wish I took more myself we should do that more we should take the minute so paul this all sounded like up to this point like you know those crappy hallmark cards with the cursive and yeah you did this and you did that and you i couldn't go through the day without you yeah so 
What did we do terribly Oof. in year one that we should have done differently? Oh, boy. I mean, this is a long list in my head. I didn't communicate anywhere near as well as I needed to. And this, I think, is just permanent. Like, you can never communicate enough. You can never anticipate enough about where people are, what they need to hear, what they need to know. Mm -hmm. We were busy, right? Like, that was our ace. Like, that's the excuse we kept pulling, which was, we're busy. We can't talk to everybody right now. Everybody's got a lot going on, so we can't talk to everyone. Meanwhile... People want to know, <laughs> like, this is a brand new thing. What's happening? Is it going well? We've gotten into a cadence now where we have these all group meetings. Yeah. But at one point, there would be swaths of time where it's like, shouldn't we talk to everyone? Where I would turn to you or you would turn to me and be like, we should probably talk to everybody. We failed completely at telling people what it would mean to work in an agency. Yeah. And to sort of say, here's what this culture should look like. Go do the work was Uh, the ask. We didn't give people real goals. We just were like, can you just go work on this project, please? Yeah. What do you you got? I I don't know if we could have done this better. It was very reactive. Like, we had this lull, and then we landed a bunch of business, and then I turned over to recruiting, and I said, for Christ's sake, I need people. I just sold a bunch of business. Go figure that out. And that's just not a healthy way to work. Yeah, we're just like, hire yeah, like these things didn't happen in a day. They would go through a process. So when I started, at least on the contract part of it, I should have probably gathered everyone and said, this is feeling more likely than last week. We yeah. should probably start to get things rolling. So again- The tricky side is that's more meetings, right? So you're like, oh man, do we need more meetings? People just need to be doing work. And meetings is communication and is some level of empathy. I didn't have, I didn't, I felt like I had the card to not really worry about empathizing with any other parts of the company. I just had to go and figure out how to get more business. Well, that's the thing. When, right. when we were under pressure, true pressure, to literally just get enough work so that people could be working, yep. that was the easiest time of the company. Yeah, It felt hard, but it was like all we had to do was just keep sending emails, keep calling people, keep, like, keep things alive, and yep. then get money in. I feel like the thing we've said the most in the last few weeks as we think about next year is how do we be less reactive? Yeah. And we use we say that phrase a lot and I think we should keep saying it because it's not healthy. It's not good a good feeling for anyone whether you're HR recruiting or whether you're biz dev trying to get new business to feel like you're you somehow all of a sudden woke up one morning and you're really badly behind. You know like, that's just not a good way to work. It's, it's not terrible. a healthy way to work and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be the norm. We, we came up with a pretty good rule, which is if we find ourselves talking about someone, we need to sit down with them. There's that too. Like we, we got a little gossipy, we got a little crabby about people, and then we'd be like, what about this person? What, you and me in particular. Yeah. And well, we felt like we had the, like, we felt like rough year, we scrambled, we're scrappy, we had the right to do that. Oh, I yeah. Feel like th- there's a bit of that. Oh, we think very highly of ourselves, right? Yeah. Like we're, and it's, it's very easy, I think, for co founders and for people in our role to, describe themselves and define themselves as the savior of the company. Yeah. Right. I think it's very easy yeah. thinking to slip into. Right. Meanwhile, you got almost 40 people working like hell, yeah. trying to get their careers on track. And we're sitting there going like, well, they couldn't do it without us. And there's, look, there's some truth to that, right? Like there's, we brought this company together, but at the same time, without them, we're it's very just, dangerous. We're pointless. To think. You and I are garbage without those people. We're just too like annoying old men talking about technology you can get real comfortable with your position and your status yeah for sure super easy and i I think that we're vigilant about that but it's it's you gotta keep you gotta fight that from yeah we're checking ourselves The, the way it slips in is you're just like 
why can't they see how hard we're working or like, you know, so, right. <laughs> you it's want, true. you know, when you're in this role, you don't get a lot of people coming up and saying, good job. I wrote a memo for a client not too long ago. My mom thinks I'm really, really good at what I do. I wrote a memo for a client and I, I got the, it, it was a tough client. Yeah. And it's the only kind of piece of kind of, I, I'm not billable, but it's kind of a piece of billable work normally. Uh-huh. And, but it's a very complex analysis that is kind of something I'm good at uh-huh. about big archives projects. So okay. I went and did it. I wrote this 20-page brief because I kind of knew what I was getting into. You had some spring to your step after Oh, that. man. I got that phone call and the client, it's a pretty high-level person, was just like, this is the level of depth and coverage that we needed to address this problem. And I was just like... You took a victory lap. I was like, yes! <laughs> yes, it's entirely the wrong thing for me to be doing that work. I yeah. should be empowering other like, people. Paul, to what do are that. you doing? I saw you uh, working on it. I said, this is not good use of your time. No, I know. But God, it just was so satisfying to go from... And also, it was like the first the first discussion had been pretty rough. Like I was like, woof, okay. You know, you, you don't achieve a lot of stuff at our level. So here, I have a friend yeah. it's slow. who has it's slow. this theory it's about It's like year by it, year. He has this theory about how executives love fixing IT stuff because it's these little wins. Oh, yeah. Like they love fixing their router at home. Oh, right. Because once it's up and everybody's got five bars in the house. Oh, uh, getting your stereo right. All of that. It's just there's a sense of achievement around that little project, that little win, because we're... We don't see a lot. Like we're, it's hard for us to see that. Like not so only we, that, it's the context is often like how does this flow back into the business? Right. I might go do something interesting in the media, or I might be working on a big project, or like some sort of side artsy yep. thing. How does this flow back into the business? So on the minute it's done, I'm this like, podcast, yeah, this podcast, does this have impact? Right. On everything else. Right. We don't get a score sheet at the end of it. That's but right. this is the tricky thing. You're like, what? We're is... starting to compliment ourselves again. This is the thing. We're starting to get sympathetic about our, our lives. We, we screwed up. Here's we, the thing. We just... What did you do right? What did you do wrong? Ultimately, kind of don't matter. What matters is where do you want to go and how are you going to like get there? And can you effectively get there? Like, we give ourselves report cards all the time. We're at a year. We are not the company we want to be yet. If we were, we'd be it would be ridiculous. We right. have years of hard work. Yes. to truly get this into to be a machine because what do we want to do? We want to ship products at a global scale that millions of people use. We want to work with the best companies. We want to do like all of that. We want to help find giant, the best people. We want to work with giant organizations that yep. have a cultural all impact. All of that. So, are we there yet? We're closer than we thought we would be. So, we get some credit there. We're communicating as much as as we can, but we need to do a lot better. But it's in the service of that. It's not this like random report card. It's like we're trying to get somewhere. Yeah, totally. And we'll never get there. You don't ever get there. You don't ever. I I will never get there. I I, I no. I'll be a on flaw my flaw and probably a strength at the same time. Yeah, I'll be on my deathbed going like, you know, we should have <sighs> should have sent that email. God, we really should have made that move to hire him. You yeah, know, or just or, you're like, I'm never gonna be able to let the let it go. All right, we found some levity here. I'm glad yeah. we, we we turned it. Yeah, that's good in this direction. So look, we could always do better. We can always do better. That's a year, and I. But I think it's that's been for me the thing after a year is leaning backwards into that. Just yeah. like, all right, you know what? People are gonna be pissed at the decisions I make. I'm gonna I'm gonna make mistakes. You know, we put into our mission statement, our charter for the company, that. When you screw up, it's okay. Like people should just tell you you screwed up. Yeah. And then the next statement in our charter is that 
just apologize, just move on. Yeah. Right. And we're trying. I want to get that into the DNA of the place that it's yeah. okay. And I think I think that'll happen. And I don't know who's going to tell me I screwed up. That's part of the well, issue. Honestly, we've clients hired, do. We've hired a lot of clients do, and we've hired a number of people who I think are pretty comfortable telling us that yeah. we could be doing yeah. better. That is a plus. If yeah. you're willing to do that, that's. I don't need the wow, Rich. That was a tremendous email you wrote. Those three paragraphs really hit home. Like I don't need that feedback. You know, the feedback I want is I'm happy in my career and I think I'm growing. That's like what I'm going for here. Yeah. Because if I can get that from an employee, if I feel that their actual self-interest is being taken care of, then I know that the the like the whole place can move forward. Right. Like I need them to be like, yeah, this was a good step for me. I'm glad I'm here. I don't know what I'm going to do next. It's going to be a little confusing and challenging. And I need to figure that out in order to keep moving in my own career. If I know I've got that, then I'm like, great, we can go out, we can sell new stuff, we can do new things. Yeah. If I hear like, I don't know, then I'm worried. Right. All right, Rich. Well, you know what? If anybody wants to talk to us about what it's like to be one years old. one can... Is it one years old or one year old? God, I don't know. And, and if they have feedback, like we've just talked about ourselves reflecting for an hour, but if you have thoughts about what you think about us. God, especially if you've been through this process and you have any wise counsel. Yeah. Yeah. Send us a note to contact at postlight.com. We'd contact love to hear at from postlight.com. You. We get lots of emails. We like it. Uh, we also made a little book called Practice, which is excerpts from the podcast. And we've been sending them out to people who send us their mailing address. So if you send us one, we have a couple left, actually. We're, we may go back for a second run. Act now. Send us your mailing address to contact at postlight.com. We'll send you a copy. And people have asked, will you send them internationally? And the answer is, of course, yes. No big deal. People Whatever. Don't discriminate. Yeah. All right. Have a Let's great go. week, everyone. Bye. Bye.